It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I'm Kevin. He is Scott. It is uh, Tuesday. It is November the 22nd. We've got uh, World Cup going on. We've got, well, a lot going on. Lions have won three straight. And uh, we're going to talk about Michigan State, obviously, through the bulk of the episode. Coming off a double overtime, 39-31 loss to Indiana previewing a Penn State game to finish off, probably to finish off the season. We'll get to that. But uh, first, I guess, you know, we'll start with the good news. Scott, you were you were at the Lions game, right? So third straight win, Dan Campbell and the boys. Scott's up in the stands at MetLife. How was the experience? What was going on there? It's great. Mason and I went. And uh, yeah, we, I'll just say this, had plenty of fun uh, at the game. So we didn't get in any fights. Uh, I told Mason are probably lucky it's not a Jets game because that always like triples <laughs> your chances of getting in a fight. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean we won. The pride is rolling. It was a great salve for the uh, whatever you want to say. You know that Indiana game was. It was a great um, bookend to put that in the past. And the Lions, uh, it's it's pretty pretty incredible. They're going to make the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> it is a hell of a story, you know. I will say that you and I went to a Lions Giants Monday night game. It's probably five, six years ago now. Yeah. Uh in in New York. And I do remember one it was it was a scuffle. I wouldn't say it was a fight. There was a scuffle in our section there. But uh yeah, I, I would imagine the Giants and Jets crowd are are a bit different in, in terms of rowdiness probably the, yeah i think we've done this before but it's like the yankees giants knicks crowd compared to the mets uh islanders jets, jets. jets yeah 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 they're uh i mean any every fan base has somebody willing to hit you in the face if you give them a reason but uh we avoided those this weekend and yeah we came out smiling i'm two and oh on lions games at metlife like you said we went to that one a few years ago and won so uh, I guess I'm a good luck charm out here. There you go. We just need you because you're going to be at the Penn State game this weekend. So hopefully that luck carries over. We can get bowl eligible. I was also at the Michigan game. Take that information <laughs> however you wish. We're going to look at this optimistically. Glass half full. Um, no, so we'll we'll get into the Indiana game to start here. Uh, we'll We'll get into the Penn State game later. And obviously, just a crushing loss. You go into the game. We were just talking about this. It's We opened as, I think it was a 12-point favorite on DraftKings. And I hit it there and said 12. That's I, Just given the situational context of the game, Indiana's coming off seven straight losses, couple blowouts in there, quarterback is hurt, Michigan State, finally starting to pick it up, playing some better football, a couple wins in a row, playing for bowl eligibility. And just situationally, like from a Vegas odds perspective, that's got to be worth like a touchdown. 
And then you look at the two teams, Indiana, terrible defense, terrible offense, nothing to write home about. Again, there, there was just no reason to believe going into the game that Indiana could win. And they come out, have that long touchdown early uh, by the quarterback. And at that point, I'm thinking, Ugh, like, I've been a sports fan for a long time. I, I'm I'm never feeling super comfortable about any result. But yeah, I think, all right, you know, it's 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 plenty early. They've got one play in them, and then they'll fall apart. We'll start pouring it on. And we did, 24-7 at halftime. Thinking, all right, we're going to cruise this thing, 38-10, something like that, final score, bowl eligible, and, uh, you know, carry on with a, an otherwise pretty mediocre season and the wheels fell off and we'll we'll talk about why those wheels fell off what that means moving forward you you start looking at some of the things i mean it's senior day and you start kind of looking at the roster a little bit differently when senior day pops up and you start thinking man uh, xavier henderson's not going to be around next year and uh, jacob slade's not going to be there on the defensive line you start thinking about some of these guys you're losing and suddenly we're we're hitting that point of the year where 2023 is right in front of us on the windshield, right? And I don't know, man. This this was just uh, this was a bad loss for a lot of reasons. A lot of people are are quick to blame the coaches. A lot of people are blaming the kicker. A lot of people are play blaming everybody on the roster. A lot of blame deserves to go around, and and we'll talk about that. But I don't know, man. It it was just as bad a loss as I can remember in recent memory. Yeah. We were comparing it to the 2019 Illinois loss, um, which I think was like a three or four possession fourth quarter collapse. I didn't go back and watch it. You couldn't pay me to do that. Um, But that team felt more equipped to come from behind. I mean, we, we gave up an enormous second half lead to a team that can't throw the ball. That is that's like two completions. That's, that's, if we're if we want to find something to feel accomplished about, it's the fact that we figured out how to lose to a team that can't throw with a three possession lead. We gave up twenty four points in the second half to a team that completed two passes the entire game, and one of those I think was in overtime. And one, so. and one was in overtime. Yeah, and and the other I don't know. They probably didn't count the two point conversion that they had. Mm-hmm. I guess and that goes separately in the stat category. So yeah, one one of the the long pass in overtime. So one other pass in regulation. That's it was like just, seven yards. That that doesn't happen. That's not just like oh that can't happen. You know we shouldn't be doing this. That literally just does not happen. Twenty four points. Uh, what was it? A twenty-four point comeback, or what? A twenty? No, seventeen point 17. comeback. It was twenty-four in the second seven. Half. Then they got a touchdown. Then we got a touchdown. So at two different points, we had a seventeen-point second half lead. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you saw the rest. I mean, this was, and, and by every account, like a full team loss yeah and the, the reason there's so many different people getting blamed is because everyone did their part to lose this game for michigan state i mean you had and, go ahead and and no i just wanted to say like it it's one of those things where there is so much blame to go around and yet it seems like the majority of the fan base has turned straight to the coaches which hey that's just kind of how it goes right People are turning to Mel. People are turning to Jay Johnson and Scotty Hazelton. And I just want to, I just, we'll, we'll get this out of the way because this is something I've been thinking about for a couple of days in a row now. We were a couple mistakes away from still easily winning that game. So the, the start of the second half, there were two drives to start the second half for Michigan State. And I think if either one of these two plays, what two individual plays happen, then we can hold on for a win. And it might not be pretty, but it makes a big difference. First drive in the second half, we get the ball to start. Um, we we go three and out, but on that third and six, Peyton Thorne drops back, sees Daniel Barker left sideline, hits him in the numbers. He was open, drops it. That ends the drive single handedly. Right, he catches that ball. We we keep momentum. We keep that drive going. 
Who knows? We might go down and score. Who knows? Maybe we just string together a couple more first downs and then suddenly that sustained offense, you, you had a good first half, you sustain a drive going into the third quarter, even if it doesn't end in points, and the, the confidence of the team is a little different. But now you go three and out, give the ball up, and first play, they go for a 79-yard touchdown. You're thinking, all right, you know, hey, we got a cushion. We're still up two scores. We get the ball again, and you have that delay of game where it's inexcusable. A delay of game out of a kickoff is one of the more inexcusable plays in football. You you and your unit are together on the sideline. You have all the time in the world to prepare what that play call is going to be. You get out on the field. You can't get that communicated. You get a delay of game. And the reason that was so important, the very next play, Jalen Berger runs for 12 yards. Would have been a first down. Now that turns into a three and out. You punt it right back to Indiana. And so that's two plays, the drop by Daniel Barker and the delay a game that single-handedly ruined those first two drives. And I just look back at this game and think it it took every little thing going wrong for us, for Indiana to get back into that game. Again, teams don't come back from a 17-point deficit only completing two passes. That just doesn't happen, and it happened. But if you get either of those drives, that you at least move it down the field a bit more, you flip field position, or if you get points... And then all of a sudden, it's just no matter how much Indiana does, it's just too big of a deficit to overcome. Those two plays stood out to me as like, hey, it it's just these little mistakes that keep piling up. And Mel Tucker's been talking about it all season long. And we we very easily blow it off. And at a certain level, it's like, you know what? How much of a dropped pass on a good play call? The The, the call was clearly there because the guy was open, it was a good throw by Thorne, and it was just a drop. And people are going to blame the coaches because they say, well, you should have done more drills in practice. Like It doesn't work like that. A guy's going to make a play or he's not. And and our guys didn't make plays in the second half. And so like, I was just kind of wanted to to use this time to like, people are, are fired up about, let's fire everybody on staff. And I'm like, I, I just don't know if that's the appropriate response to this season, but especially to this game. I just think when you look back on this season a couple months from now, you're not going to be thinking emotionally in the moment about that one play call that you didn't like or that one um, situational thing that we did where we we ran the ball instead of throwing it here and the clock management or whatever, you're going to look back and think like, man, we didn't have a ton of talent on this team, to be honest. And the talent that we did have wasn't really available for most of the season. Think about our best defensive players. All of them missed multiple games. It's just, this isn't a great team. And so I, I know people are quick to blame the coaches, but I just, I don't know if that's the appropriate response. Speaking of missing people, detail that came out yesterday in Mel Tucker's press conference was that they haven't been hitting in practice for four weeks, three, four weeks. And one of the things that, especially the last two games, but that's been sticking out as the weather's gotten colder and as the season's worn on is just a complete lack of physicality, especially by the defense, their willingness. To, I mean, we saw Kyle Manungai look like Derrick Henry last week, just running through our guys, just like, absolutely way more willing to get into hard physical football contact. And, you know, I do think cold plays into that. We talked about that last week, that hitting people in the cold sucks and you got to really be ready for it mentally to, to do it over and over. But also if you're not hitting in practice and practicing what it feels like for that contact for four weeks and you get one day a week to get out there and be physical, you're not going to be able to replicate it. And we saw it this week with these terrible um, run defense, these big plays were given up where our guys are just arm tackle bouncing off the ball carriers. And you mentioned obviously the, the offense aren't able to get off of blocks. It's the right. same thing. It's a physicality thing. battle in the trenches. Um, you mentioned a couple offensive plays that would have completely turned the 
maybe not completely, but probably would have been the difference in winning this game. And, and on the defensive side, you look at, I mean, you had the 34-yard touchdown by the quarterback to start the game. You had the 79-yard touchdown to start the second half. You had the kickoff return. I mean, kickoff's all about physicality. you got to blow through a guy's face to get to the ball carrier on, on kickoff. Um, and then, obviously, special teams. You know, like I said, the kickoff return we, we allowed for a touchdown, which is kind of the if you just look at the box score is like the hidden, you know, you look, you read the box score. You're like, how in the world did we lose this game? And then you throw in that kickoff yeah. return for a touchdown. And then an interception that led to a field goal where we forced a three and out, but they were already in field goal range. Um, all of those play into obviously what we saw. And at the end of the day, all that said, you get the ball down to your four yard line or wherever we were you expect that kick to go in. I don't, I don't, yeah. I really don't care what kind of kicking struggles we've had or what the weather is or whatever. Like it was clean snap, clean hold kicking from the 10 yard line. The kicks got to go in. And, and if we're getting into that again, people are, are saying they should fire Mel Tucker because of that situational football, that third down we were on, we started that play on the left hash mark we called a run play to the right, which would have gotten the ball to the middle like everybody is shouting on Twitter, like, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do this? Well, we tried. <laughs> Clearly, the play call was attempting to get the ball back towards the middle. Eli Collins thought he saw a cutback lane. Apparently, it wasn't there. Goes to the left hash. And again, like you mentioned, man, it's a 22-yard field goal. If we're blaming coaches because a kicker can't make a 22-yard field goal, I don't know what to tell you, man. That That's just – that's not understanding the game of football because what else is he going to do? What You want him to go for it right, on fourth were, down? There were folks – How insane would that be? If we don't make <laughs> right? that and then everyone's <laughs> like, I don't care that our kickers have stunk all year. You have to kick the field goal there. Like the game's on – come on. Come on. Can you imagine? Right. So it's just, what do you want him to do? And then, you know, you get into, you get into overtime and again, you, you missed that field goal. That was more on the snapper than the kicker because the kicker didn't really have a chance. If, if you, I think the kick was going to go in, but it was just so, it would have gone in. It's just, he didn't have time to get, to get it up. Right. And, and there was enough penetration on the line that he just had no chance. Right. But again, it's like, what, are we not going to kick the field goal? Are we going to go for it on fourth and goal from the nine or 10 or whatever it was, eight or nine, instead of just kicking a 28-yard field goal from damn near dead center? I don't, that's the frustrating thing. And I just logged off at Twitter because I was like, I can't read all this. But that that's my thing for all of the people blaming the coaches. I'm saying with these situational calls, what would you have done differently, right? In that's what's always really frustrating to me and just kind of interacting with fans is there's always the problem. People are always really quick to point out the problem, but nobody's there with a solution, right? Nobody's there saying, well, I would have done this. And hey, if I disagree with you, then fine. We both have our different beliefs, but at least you're you're putting something out there of what you would have done differently instead of just yelling at the clouds about how dumb it was that we kicked a field goal from the left hash mark. Like, well, what else were we supposed to do? We called a run play to the right that would have gotten us back in the middle. The player decided to do something differently. So we said, okay, well, we're on the left hash mark, but we're still going to kick the field goal because it's a 22-yard field goal. So I just, I don't know what else you want us to do. Yeah, I mean, this was... (laughs) Mel Tucker talks about, well, every football coach talks about playing complimentary football in all three phases of the game. This was a complimentary loss. Like, yeah, it really was. There's no one person. To, I mean, it, it, you could say because the, every piece of the program seemed to fall apart during that game. I'm okay if you say that's on Mel Tucker because it's his program, right? And, you know, the hey, he's the one making the money. I get it. Right. And it's his program. He's the guy at the top. And, you know, it's accountability should flow up. But, I mean, there are so many different people, players, staff, coaches, whomever on that field that they make one play or make one different decision and, and the outcome is different. Uh, and then yeah. you, 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 you zoom out and you look at like senior day, Eli Collins was going to have like 
his moment. And I still I think to an extent he did, but obviously it, there's a huge asterisk now. You had Ben Patton, a senior, who struggled all year and had, I mean, it, with how this season has gone, Ben Patton makes that one of those two field goals to win the game and it's water under the bridge. Like the whole season is yeah, like, you it's know what? just fine. The whole it year is, is we had a bad kicker, but Hey, you know, <laughs> he, he got us into a bowl and the bowl eligibility is right there. And it, it, Indiana had lost seven straight and it just, the, the knife just keeps getting twisted when you think about this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't know if there's that much more to be said about it. It's just, it's a terrible loss that sets the program back. I mean, it's not just one loss that, that honestly feels like, and we'll see what happens this weekend, but if, you know, we'll talk about Penn state in a minute, the difference between winning and losing that game is going to continue to snowball for months. And it's, and and I know we lost six games, seven, six games so far this year. And each one of those is is worth the same amount in the loss column. But when you think about the end of this season and how this season panned out, your mind is going to snap right to this game for years. Yeah. And, and that's just, again, it's senior day and you start looking at what this is going to look like moving forward because you you look at that bowl game and you think it's just kind of a nice little cherry on top of a mediocre season, but it's those practices and it's the extra game. And everybody knows, especially in those lower bowl games, that's when these freshmen are getting on the field. The sophomores are getting on the field because let's be, you know, when we're talking about the peach bowl, right, that's that's different. We're going out to win that football game. We're talking about the quick lane bowl. All right. We're going out to win the football game. but there's also points B, C, D, and E that we're trying to evaluate players going into next year, right? And missing out on that opportunity is huge. And you start looking at like it's senior day and who we're going to have to replace. And you're looking at, man, two, two basically starters at tight end, I guess. Your punter who, hey, <laughs> it might be the best punter in the country. We're going to have to replace that. We saw what replacing a, a mediocre kicker did to our kicking game this year. We're going to have to replace an elite punter, and uh, that's going to be a wake-up call next year. You're looking at both of your outside corners. Who Were they great this season? Uh, or I'm sorry, one of your outside corners, um, Ronald Williams, uh, You know your, your third corner, I guess. Who were they great? No, but clearly they were better than the guys behind them on the depth chart, so you're going to rely on some corners that you had just have no game experience with. Basically your whole defensive line is gone again. Xavier Henderson, we know how much he's worth in this lineup. Uh, when you just look at the splits of when he plays versus when he doesn't play in our, our win loss record, you're one of your starting linebackers is gone. It's just, you start looking at how this might snowball, like you said, and it just doesn't give me a whole lot of nice feelings going into uh, going into what would be a long off season. And we'll talk about the, you know, the Penn state game because the season's not over, but it sure felt like the end of a season on Saturday, right? When that, when that clock hits zero and Tommy Allen is screaming and jumping onto the field, it sure felt like, well, that's our season. You know, it just, it didn't feel like, well, you know, we'll come back and get them next week. It was just, eh, well, tough year. And that, that was just kind of the, the ultimate sigh at the end of the game. Like, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can turn the page to Penn state now because we do have one more game and that's kind of a, a good segue for it. Um, almost feels like a bonus opportunity. Um, like you said, the season does feel kind of done. I mean, you could look at this game one of two ways. You could look at it as like an enormous amount of pressure on this team because it's their last opportunity to get into a bowl game to for the seniors to put a stamp on their career, to go out on a high note, and that's a lot of pressure. But in reality, nobody is expecting them to win this game. Um, I'm sure they're kind of trying to drum up some pseudo-confidence and, and t- they're telling themselves, you know, they got as good a shot as anyone to win this game. But anyone who doesn't have to build that false confidence knows where we're at going into this game. It's the number 10 team in the country. 
we are who we are. It's on the road. It's the end of the season. It's going to be cold and rainy. Um, to me, I think everyone's going to write us off, which means we can play w- loose uh, and we can just kind of leave it all out there. All the pressures on Penn State to, to put a cherry on top of their season. I think they're going for 10 wins, um, 10 or yep. 11, 10 wins. Yeah, their only losses are Michigan and Ohio State. So great season, assuming they can hold on to it. No bad losses so far for them and presumably uh, a New Year's Six Bowl if they win. Um, so that's an opportunity to, you know, to play as the team with less pressure. Um, it's just, how do you first order business, right? You go into practice on Monday, um, in the Scandalera center. How do you rally the troops, circle the wagons and get these guys up for this game, like to really put a, a great week of preparation in after what just happened. I mean, what do you even say? You got to rally the team, right? And you got to like talk to them. You can't just go into practice like nothing happened. I don't know. And that's why Mel Tucker's getting paid a lot of money. I I can't even imagine going in, I guess, yesterday probably to to start preparing for this week and just turning on that film because this isn't one of those that you can just flush it down the toilet, right? We The perfect example of that was Ohio State last year. Like when you just get beat down to that level, you throw away the tape because you know there's just nothing to be gained from it. This isn't one of those situations. You you have to go through this game and, and watch, again, those little mistakes and see, hey, if we, if we make this catch, if we don't get this delay game, what were we doing here, guys? Like, this is one where you have to watch that tape, and I don't know how you can watch that again and then come out and just be, you know, ready to go, confident going into Saturday. I don't understand. And on top of that, again, all these guys who were suspended and hurt, there's no news. I'm just going on the assumption that we're not going to have them again. So is it a, are we going to continue not hitting in practice this week? Because again, Hey, if you want to blame the coaches for saying, well, you're not hitting in practice, that's stupid. It's football. You got to prepare. Okay. But what happens when he's hitting in practice? And then we find out the report that fill in the blank defensive lineman rolled his ankle and is out for you know basically the rest of the season. Depending because it's on the late. position, we are a couple injuries away Literally, from playing walk-ons. Yeah, from playing like freshman walk-ons who have no business being on a college football field. I don't know what you wanted to do. And again, how do you get them up for this game on the road? I I don't know, man. And and hey, maybe it's better that it's on the road. It's again, hey, the pressure's on Penn State. They're in front of their their home fans. We don't have to worry about disappointing the home fans or something. I don't know, but that's why Mel Tucker's getting paid a lot more money than I am. He's got to find a way to, to, to get him focused. And the whole Mel Tucker thing is that neutral thinking, right? He's talked about it. His, his leaders have talked about it. And let's see if they really believe that. <laughs> if you really believe what you preach, then you're going to come out on Saturday and you're going to play the same way you have played all year because it's just another play. It's another game. You play to your process. But I can't imagine 18, 19, 20-year-old kids not having Saturday lingering in the back of their head that whole time. That's the thing about the that neutral thinking, which I love it. I love it as a like a philosophy. It's not something that a lot of, I think, football dudes try to embody right there's a, so much emotion in the game of football and usually they play into that and mel tucker's all about kind of like live with it but don't let it control you know the way you're behaving mel tucker's what like late 40s early 50s right early like, 50s i think yeah i think it's hard enough for a guy his age to embody that like to truly it's one thing to believe in it it's another thing to like live it in those emotional moments now you're asking a 19-year-old to do that. And I, again, I love it as a philosophy and it's something to strive towards, but I think it's a lot easier for Mel Tucker to walk in thinking neutrally to walk into practice this week than it is for these players who, I mean, just got their hearts ripped out in front of their home fans on their last home, for some of them, their last home game of their career. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's it's a tall order. Um 
before before we get into the more specifics of this game, uh, I do want to give a shout out here. It's uh, it's our friends at DraftKings, and we got Thanksgiving football coming up, so you can head over there, look at some Lions Bills same game parlays, get a little Jamal Williams touchdown because he seems to score one every game. And they're an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and right now new customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win their game. And get $150 in free bets if they do. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets. If they do, that's at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, man, I mean, so just to give people, I, I don't know how much everybody's been paying attention to Penn State, right? It's It's one of those teams where I think we went into this season hesitant to believe in Penn state because they've had the talent and just the last couple of years, they haven't played up to that level. And I think that even carries over all the way to today where people just still aren't really buying in on Penn state. And when they played the two elite teams in the East, they lost 41, 17 against Michigan. They were winning that game at halftime. And 44 to 31 against Ohio State, they were winning that game in the fourth quarter. So, other than that, all they've done is rattle off nine wins, basically blow out everybody in their path. The last three weeks, 45 to 14 win at Indiana, 30 to nothing win at home against Maryland, 55 to 10 at Rutgers. They've just been killing people. And when you look at Penn State, you think of Sean Clifford, the kind of gunslinger. He can make a play that'll win you the game. He'll make a play to lose you the game. 18 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Sean Clifford is is playing like Sean Clifford plus. He's just playing a little bit better than he normally does, and that's good enough. When you've got these two freshman running backs, man, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, they're both running for five and a half, six and a half yards of carry. They're both damn near 10 touchdowns on the year. They're both over 750 yards on the year. Both true freshmen. These kids are unbelievable. <laughs> I just, I, I hate rooting for in-division opponents. You know, Penn State, we got the rivalry thing, but I don't really look at Penn State the same way that I look at like Michigan and like, I will never root for them. And if Penn State's in a bowl game against another big team, I'll, I'll probably end up rooting for Penn State, you know? And these two freshman running backs are kind of fun to watch, man. So um, it's a really talented team. It's an unbelievably talented defense, and it's going to be a tall order. I, I think this is right up there with uh, with Michigan and Ohio State in terms of the most talented teams that we're going to play all year. Man, Penn State has deserve has has earned the right to be in that conversation of the elite in the Big Ten. If if Penn State plays their A game, is there any chance that we win this football game? I mean, if I'm if I'm James Franklin looking at a game plan here, and take this with a grain of salt because James Franklin has done some bizarre things <laughs> over the course of his football career. He brings in talent, game planning, not so much his strategy, his his strong suit. <laughs> so you look at last year and like we were probably a little bit of a well, I I wouldn't say we're an underdog, actually, thinking back to that. Penn State had talent last year, but their offensive line stunk, especially by the end of the year, and they didn't really have a good run game. And the the way they won games last year was through the air, and it was a snowball, which makes it harder, obviously, to play through the air. Very different set of circumstances this year. They have a a plus, but not plus plus offensive line, plus plus running backs. It's going to be blustery rainy potentially kind of nasty cold weather it's 4 p.m kick so by the end of the game it's going to be dark and cold and if i'm james franklin i'm pulling a jim harbaugh and i'm saying or or i guess a tom allen if you look at what just happened and i'm saying 
I don't want this ball to go in the air once if I don't have to. And with how we have defended the run the last few weeks, attempted to defend the run, attempted to defend <laughs> the run, uh, I don't know why you would attempt throwing the ball. If you if you have like a ten point lead, you know if you're up by more than one touchdown, just if it's third and seven, just give it to your backs, let them run. Like that that's what I'm doing as James Franklin. Um, rely on your defense. Trust your running game. Don't make Sean Clifford try to win a game with his arm in this situation. So that's my strategy. Now, again, James Franklin is a bit notorious for Noted ignoring game plan his strengths <laughs> and uh, doing some just really bizarre things that keep keep the other team in the game. So I guess we can hope for that, but we can't rely on it. Um, the challenge, too, so they're going to... Uh, they're going to try to run the ball, and I think they're going to have a lot of success doing it, especially if we don't feel like tackling with more than two fingers again. Um, the challenge here is the defense. and We haven't seen a really strong defense in a few weeks since Michigan probably, and our offense is getting frustrating. It has been frustrating throughout the year. Uh, again, the conditions are going to be tough. So, I mean, if we fall down a couple possessions early – probably pack it in time penn state defense hasn't given up more than 17 points to anybody not named ohio state and michigan since week one they're just it's 10 points 12 points 14 points 7 17 14 0 10 it's a really good defense they're led by their defensive backfield which you look at matchups for this game not ideal for us you know we we look at a, a great defense like wisconsin that was actually a pretty good matchup for us because their weakness was in the secondary and we could exploit that because we have two great receivers when they're lining up two nfl corners on the outside and suddenly those 50 50 balls to Jaden reed and 50 50 balls to keon coleman those are more of true 50-50 balls rather than like, well, you throw it up to Keon and it's an 80-20. You throw it up to Reed and it's an 80-20. That's not the case against these corners. They're they're big. They're long. They're, they're lining up over six foot. And it's just a tough matchup for us. And, and you know that Penn State has got some dudes off the edge. You know they've got some dudes at linebacker. They always do. This year is no exception. It's a nasty, nasty defense, dude. And and the biggest issue is they they really have that knack for forcing turnovers, for big hits. They are a, a pretty they cause havoc. And they've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've got 10 different players with forced fumbles on the year. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six players with interceptions on the year three players with multiple interceptions on the year it's the whole defense swarms attacks they're aggressive they're physical and i know it's not our defense lining up against their defense so in this sense what i'm about to say doesn't really make sense but bear with me when we're not able to hit in practice just because we're we're so not deep um i don't want to say shallow you can't say shallow. what are we thin depleted yeah <laughs> thank you um when we can't even hit in practice and then you go up against a penn state team that is as physical as they come it's just i don't love that i i do not love that you've you you're lining up against future nfl guys on the penn state defense who are going to play fast and physical you're lining up against uh, you know, future NFL guys on an offensive line. You're lining up against future NFL running backs who are going to run right through you. If you think Katron Allen's going down on an arm tackle, you've got another thing coming. This, it, It's just not a good time to be playing Penn State given the emotional baggage that we're carrying into this game, given the lack of depth that we're carrying into this game. I don't want to be too just you know negative Nancy here. But 
when we're trying to preview a game, I don't know, man, I'm just going to call it like it is. They've got like 12 guys with more than two and a half tackles for loss. They've got like 10 guys with sacks. I just, it's a bad matchup. I think Peyton Thorne's going to be running for his life. And I think as good as our receivers are, it's going to be tough to uncover against NFL corners. I just don't, I don't see, I don't find the matchup that it's like, well, if this happens, you know, we can pull this off. I, I'm really struggling to even find that matchup that that makes it even possible. And it's football. Anything can happen. But to me, if I'm an MSU coach, you know, we talk about those 10 to 12 plays a game that can determine the outcome of the game. You know, you're talking the potential for either a big play to spring or get shut down or turnovers, obviously, or... um huge punts even to flip field position can can play into that uh, or just big third fourth down stops or conversions depending on who has the ball those are the things that you have to focus on um because down in and down out we don't have the talent to win the line of scrimmage to make those plus plays but you have to as as a coaching staff i think you have to take some risks in this game to try to manufacture more opportunities for those big leverage plays so whether that's blitzing more to try to generate, you know, a sack fumble or a bad decision by the quarterback, whether that's just taking more shots on the offensive side um, and hoping, you know, I know it's it's not the greatest matchup for our wide receivers, but at the end of the day, you have to like you have to give yourself a chance. You know, if we just oh, we're going to avoid the outside wide receivers because it's not a good matchup. We're just going to keep it between the tackles today. See, what, that's not going to win us. This it's game. not going to work. I mean, you have to you have to just hope Keon Coleman can get in the head of the dude across from him and just own him. Regardless, well, and he's an NFL dude, right? I, I wrote right. this down a couple times throughout the game on Saturday against Indiana. Like the toolbox this kid has is unbelievable. For a kid that's six four, he moves so well, and he's a soft it's just it, it. You you have to give those guys chances, like you said. Yeah. So, on top of that, you probably hope for a similar start that we had to like the Ohio State game, where CJ Stroud just kind of threw that boneheaded pick six to Chuck Brantley, where he just walked it into the end zone. Like you kind of need something like that to get it going. Because CJ Stroud makes that play and then turns around. He's like, well, I'm still going to throw for seven touchdowns, right? Sean Clifford makes that play and he might think, oh boy, <laughs> I've seen this before. Right. And, and, and so, Penn State's not the kind of team that's going to just run you out of the building with big plays. They're not in Ohio State. They're, I'd say more like a Michigan where even when they're playing their best game, you're probably going to be in the game more times than not, at least through the third quarter. You know, like you might be down but you're not out, you know, you're a couple big plays from pulling yourself back into it. Um, so yeah, I mean, how can you generate those, those big havoc plays, fake field goals? Although that seems with how our field goal kicking has been, it seems like it'd be like a guarantee, maybe a fake punt. Cause like we love punting. I think that that's more likely to work. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fake, anytime the field goal team is marching out there, I, I can't even imagine the special teams coordinator saying anything other than fake, fake. Yeah. I mean, Bryce Berenger is our holder. So if you want to like get, get the ball in the hands of your best player, like it's not the traditional we, way you'd think this about is, that, but this is dumb, but I've never understood why football teams don't put better athletes at the holder, right? All you have to do is catch the ball and put it down. Like a, like wide a good receiver. wide receiver will be yeah. able to do that very easily. And it will just add that little thought in the back of the, the mind of the coach going against them that every single field goal could be a fake because they've got their best athlete at a holder and he could just pull that thing and run. You know, like it's, it's dumb, Foster, but... Who who played quarterback in high school. Yeah. Uh, played basketball, great athlete. Uh, and like to an extent, I'm like, okay, you put, you put someone like a punter in there. Cause you don't want your players to have to focus on too much. If, if you're a punter, you get your, your, your punting reps in at practice and they got one more thing to focus on. And that's yeah. just like practice your holds. Um, but you know, backup wide receiver, you know, exactly. Throw them in there. It's the same thing with the up back in the punt game. Like, you, you know, the teams with a, a dynamic kind of guy at the up back spot. And you're always thinking ah, they might just snap it right, direct snap right to the up back. And he, he might kill us here. You know, it's just 
the more you can make the opponent think, the more it gives you a chance because when they're thinking and thinking, and then all of a sudden you hit them with a big play because you know they weren't ready or whatever. It's just kind of a dumb thought, but I don't know, man. I you know we have to your point. We've been doing a pretty good job, and and credit to Scotty Hazelton, I guess, of scheming up run defenses. I it was made a good, but this sounds dumb, but. Uh, Matt Millen made a good point where a lot of these plays, Cal Halliday is making the plays and you got to give him credit for that. But a lot of these are just run blitzes and they're designed. It's not like Cal Halliday is just magically, you know, deciding, oh, I'm going to run through this hole and and boom, the ball carrier is right there. Those are schemed designed plays where Cal Halliday is coming on a run blitz and they're telling him go through that B gap on the left side and, and make a B line for the backfield. And what happens? He tackles the running back in the backfield because, you know, nobody blocked him. That's more of a Scotty Hazleton check than a, a Cal Halliday check. It's just the fact that we can't tackle right now. And again, you go up against two great running backs. That's that's a problem. You can only scheme it up so well. If you guys if your guys can't tackle, then they can't tackle. Um, so that's that's one thing is is you hope that all of those kind of schemed pressures and schemed run blitzes you got to get home on all of them. That's that's again for the pass and the run. If you first and 10 turns into second and 12, hey, now all of a sudden you've got Sean Clifford pressing and he might make a mistake because, you know, he's behind the sticks. You got to hope that all of those calls work. When you blitz the nickel, you got to hope that he gets home and that they don't beat you for an easy 25-yard completion, you know? When you when you drop that deep ball to Keon Coleman, you got to hope that he comes down with it. It's just one of those games. It's similar to Ohio State. It's similar to Michigan. Those 10, 12 plays, you got to come down with 90% of them because the the talent man-to-man across the board on the starting 22 with the team that we are putting out on the field on Saturday, and this isn't a total indictment on this football team, but the team that's out there right now, we don't match up. We just don't. I, I can't even imagine making the argument that talent-wise, wide re- wide receiver versus corner, safety versus tight end, running back versus linebacker, left tackle versus DN, we probably are losing 20 of those 22 matchups, and I'm not exaggerating. This Penn State team is real for those people who are still hanging on to, ah, it's just James Franklin and Penn State, and they're going to, you know, Charlie Brown, you know, Lucy's going to pull the football out on this team. Like, no, it's we're into late November. We know this team is real. Now, if there was one team outside of maybe Michigan because of all the rivalry stuff, if there was one team in the Big Ten East who we just – always seem yep. to play up to uh, and love to just yank the football, you know, pull a Lucy and yank the football out. It's Penn State. You look at like the 2017 <laughs> and 2018 years. Last and you year, were at one of those games, right? Uh, yeah, whichever one was the Here we go. We're connecting touchdown. some dots. Um, whichever one is. I, I always think it was 2017, but I think it was 18. Um, the Felton Davis touchdown. Uh, it it was 18. You're expiring. right. Because, uh, yep. So, yeah, maybe we'll we'll drum up some of that energy. Um, did I tell you about the the Penn State guy that was sitting by us and what, what happened to me at that game? So I don't think so, no. I was up in like, you know, I was, I was in the sky. You know, I was smelling clouds up there, way up in the bleeds. And there was this group of four like middle-aged Penn State fans and they were like, you know, they were giving us crap, but they were, you know, good sports and we were just kind of going back and forth. And I'd had a couple drinks, so my guard was down. And one of them turns around. He's like, here, you want some water? And like, I don't I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, yeah. And I grab it and I'm just just take this giant slug before I could realize it was absolutely not water. And just like <laughs> No chaser around nothing. It 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 tasted like just bottom shelf vodka. Like like <laughs> once filtered, who knows where it's from, like Sam's Club probably vodka. And it was probably like a three shot, just like gulp. And these guys are looking at me and they all just burst out laughing. And my eyes like pop out of my face and I'm like, oh my God. And then you know, I spent 
the middle part of that game just trying to maintain my faculties uh and yeah i mean it worked you know for better or for worse we were laughing at them when they left early because we we won that game but um yeah that was not not my best moment um, it's like the old uh freshman year you wake up hungover and you just reach for a giant gulp of whatever liquid is nearby and you realize it was the vodka that you dumped into a water bottle the night yeah. before <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't fun, uh, but the game was fun. That moment was not. Um, yeah, so we're we're gonna try to to not drum up that energy, but drum up the there energy of the upset um, and pull it out. So, yeah, we're, I don't even know. We're six and three, six and three since twenty ten against Penn State. So you know, this isn't a matchup. This isn't Ohio State, right? It's it's a team that we've beaten. We've beaten comfortably at times. We beat them last year. You know, we we are currently holding the um, the Land Grant Trophy, the greatest trophy in all of college football. I just, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I don't, I don't know what the spread is right now. I the 18. last time I checked, it was like sixteen. What is it? Eighteen. Eighteen now. I if I'm thinking rational non-biased sports fan who's just kind of looking at where these two teams are and and looking at the situation and and looking at the talent and and how each team has played the last couple of weeks i would take penn state to win and cover i just i don't know how you get back up off the mat after last week if you're michigan state and and this is one of those games that could snowball early for us if if Penn State opens up on a six play eighty yard touchdown drive, you're probably wrapping that thing up, and, and Penn State's going to roll out with that two tight end, three running back, that little wing T tight T formation that they do, and they'll just run it and run it and run it. And if we've learned anything over the last two weeks, Indiana just ran for two hundred fifty yards against us. <laughs> I can't imagine Penn State really having trouble churning out seven yards of carry and just chewing their way down the field. And one factor we haven't talked about is Sean Clifford's aptitude to have a couple big runs a game against us that just daggers. You know, I mean, he's he's the type of guy where you don't quite respect his athleticism enough to game plan around it. And he'll take advantage of that. And if he can keep it on the ground this game, I think he will. I think he'll be encouraged to. Um, we saw it by whatever Indiana's quarterback's name was, Williams, last week. Um, or sure, he didn't complete many passes, but he did have 86 yards on the ground and a big 34-yard touchdown. I mean, that 34-yard touchdown he had feels exactly like what Sean Clifford yep. could do. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna bust an, a 70-yard touchdown on you, but he, you get him on that side of the, uh, you know. The, our side of the 50 we're in man coverage. We turn our backs on him. They run everything to the outside. The middle of the field opens up and boom, he is just gone. And yep. Much as I love our safeties, we have seen some bad angles lately trying to get to uh dudes who maybe are, you know, half speaking of long than... touchdown runs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's something we have to account for and always seem to not account for against Penn state. Um, yeah, if we want to pull this into our picks for this game, so we've got 18 at DraftKings. I think you kind of made your pick there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Penn State to cover. I just, I, I don't, I don't love the situation. I don't love the matchups. Again, if, if this was a more of a Wisconsin type of defense where they're really stout in the front, but you know, weak, weaker defensive backs, it gives you more hope that you can pull a couple of those big plays, but with how good their defensive backs are, I can't imagine us going out there and running for six, seven yards of carry. Even after, you know, we've been running the ball better. Jalen Berger, you know, to talk optimistically, Jalen Berger has been running the football really well, ran for over a hundred yards last week. He was at 80 something the week before he's starting to run confident. He, he kind of knows where the blocks are being set up. He knows what his role is in the offense. He looks a lot more comfortable, but I don't think he's going to go out there and run for seven yards to carry against Penn state. And if you're going to tell me that Peyton Thorne's probably going to throw a couple interceptions, I I'm taking Penn state to cover. Unfortunately, 
I everything in my brain agrees with you, but you know, it's the last week of the year and uh caution is well into the wind at this point when it comes <laughs> to picks. I'm not going to take us to win, but I am going to take us to cover. 18 is a lot of points. Um, it is a lot of points. I think we find a way to put a little bit of heart into this game. I think Penn State gets up enough to feel comfy and just uh, starts bleeding the clock, and it doesn't get out of hand, out of hand. Maybe it's a backdoor cover. You know, you know they got a three-touchdown lead, and we, we sneak one in at the waning moments. I'll ask you this. If, if Michigan State covers, is it more because it's like a – 35-24 kind of game or is it more like a 20-10 to 10 kind of game you know the score that popped into my head while we were chatting earlier was 28-10 to 10, which is obviously a push on 18 points so I'm going to go with 27-10 to 10 okay. <laughs> final score <laughs> cover by one there. bad day by the offense generally bad day by the defense but you know, maybe we force a couple field goals instead of touchdowns. That's still five scoring drives. If you go with three touchdowns, two field goals for Penn State, seems reasonable. Second half is just like a total snooze fest. We're down 17 the whole time and then just punt fest. And they got their seniors in because it's their senior day and they're up comfortably, like the bad seniors, not the good seniors. Um, you know, they, every team has them. Um, so, yeah, that's my prediction. I think I'll be gone by at least the end of the third quarter. If it's uglier, maybe halftime, it's going to be cold. It's Thanksgiving weekend. And, uh, you know, there's more to do at home. Um, so we'll see. I'll try to stick it out. But, you know, I'm not going to torture myself over this one. Last thing before we get out of here, we've uh, we're, we're working with the new format of just once a week, so we forgot about it. We got to give our play of the game and the game ball. I know you know it's a bad loss, but we get we got to give out the awards all season. Um, I'll start, I guess, with the play of the game. I'll go with that Eli Collins uh, little scamper to the end zone there on the touchdown reception. Great to see. Again, you, you wish it was in a win. But senior day, 100 yards and two touchdowns rushing for Collins. Um, it, it Four catches and, and 43 yards receiving. It was a good day by Eli Collins. Good to see. And that uh, that, that longer run by him was, uh, it was nice. He was kind of weaving his way through traffic a little bit. Uh, Eli Collins with the play of the game. Yeah, while we're on that note, I'll give him player of the game. Maybe player of the game. Uh, he's... We'll, we'll see. Scene or game ball, I should say. We always do that, but um, played with heart, you know, played with uh, played like it was his senior day. And whether he comes back or not this year, I think he is somebody who we can really uh, be proud of in the way that he handled his career at Michigan State. Definitely could have transferred and found some playing time elsewhere, uh, but stuck it out, carved himself out a role again this year, and uh, and put a stamp on his last home game again I, I wish it was different if nothing else just for him I know we have plenty of seniors but he's just a guy we've always been rooting for um so player of the game for me Eli Collins and my play of the game honestly I, I think I have some like weird I'm sure a psychologist would enjoy digging into it I don't remember a lot of the plays that we made in this game I'm sure there were plenty we we got 31 points I'm gonna go with the blocked field goal because it was our last like fleeting last stand um dig your heels into the dirt abs obviously i mean if, if they make that kick we lose on the spot so i absolutely had to make that play and came out with it um didn't lead to the win but could have and it was our last chance to really to 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 scrap out that win and they made that play so um i think that was jacob slade who blocked it but i could definitely I think so wrong. yeah did you lose me there for a second? Because I yeah, but you're back. <laughs> okay, that's that's good. Um, game ball. I'll go Keon Coleman. I I wrote down in my notes a couple times like this guy's just got an NFL skill set. He's he moves so well for his size. He had a really good game. Eight catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. You start again looking ahead to what you know kind of foundational pieces for next year. Keon Coleman's definitely one of them. Uh, as far as guys that you go into the off off season and say all right we're building our offense with this guy in mind we're building our defense with this guy in mind keon coleman is absolutely one of those dudes that you go into the whole off season and say all right how do we 
make sure that we are using this guy to the best of his ability. Cause he is that I, he doesn't have a ceiling. It's just, he could be a first round NFL guy. And I know that sounds crazy, but just given the, the raw physical ability that we have to work with, with Coleman on top of the fact that in his first season as a starter, he's looking at over 700 yards and seven touchdowns with a quarterback who hasn't been playing very well. Um, this kid's a stud. So I got to give him a shout out here to end the year. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. And I uh, hope everybody enjoys the weekend and let's go get bowl eligible, right? <laughs> let's go get bowl eligible. Hopefully even this if that's time next uh, week, we're talking about the uh, Boca Raton bowl or get, the pinstripe bowl or the quick lane bowl. And whether that's because we beat Penn State or the boys have been hit in the classroom and we got that academic standing up and get the five and seven nod, <laughs> I'll take I'll it take either it. way. <laughs> either way. No shame. No shame on the uh, Standing Room Spartans podcast. We'll take whatever we can get. Yeah, this time next weekend, we'll either be talking about the bowl game we snuck into or teeing up the offseason, which we have been, yeah. uh, I would say, mentally collecting some uh some topics some things to chat about obviously roster turnover will probably be the first episode once we hit off season but we'll have to yep. see first when off season uh crawls along here um yeah all right well enjoy the weekend enjoy the football happy thanksgiving to everybody and we will talk to you next week until then go green go white take care folks <laughs>